Fuck off. Fuck off. Why don't you fuck off? Why don't you fuck off? Uh, leaning close, I have some advice for you. Uh, why don't you just, uh, why don't you just, uh, freak off, you, you mother freaker? Hey. Why don't you freak off? You ever been to, to Minneapolis? Minneapolis has a lot of great places where you can fuck off. Yeah, why, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you just, uh, why don't you just get out of my face and uh, you freak off, you, you mother, you darn, you darn mother freaker. Why don't you, I don't, listen, listen, pardon my language, but why don't you fug off? Why don't you just fudge off? Just fudge off right now. Fudge Zero credits. Whoa, we've got some great news for you on today's episode, and welcome back to Zero Credits Podcast, the show where we talk about late breaking news. My name's Henry, and my name's uh, Breaking Breaking John, and together we're Henry and Breaking John. Interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you what's happening in the cultural zeitgeist right this second. That's right. You thought you were listening to an episode of Zero Credits, but I've got news for you. We've interrupted that for a breaking news episode of Zero Credits. We've got all the news for you. we got sports, we got anime, and what the fuck is happening in Oregon. That's what we have for you tonight, and we are going to hit all of it. I don't know when you're listening to it, but now it's suddenly, it is 6 p.m., and you are watching the news. Wait, every, every like, breaking news, every major station in the past has had, like, a, a breaking news, like, ticker noise, like, uh, something to alert you, like, a ba-da-da-da-ba-da-da-da-da, to let you know that there's breaking news. It would be sure swell if we had one of those. Yeah, so let me see if I can, like, try to think of any kind of iconic noise... To let people know that news is about to break. Oh, I know. That's right. On this episode of the news, we're sponsored by uh, Torpedo Extra IPA from The Wedding. Thanks, the- Sierra Nevada. And uh, they didn't actually sponsor it. We bought it, and we have a ton of it, and it's warm. It is, uh, it's about the temperature I'd like an IPA to be, really. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Oh, it's just, sorry. A lot of things has hit my taste buds at once. Well, that's the thing. The Sierra Nevada Extra IPA, it's a 65 IBU beer. So you got to be ready for a certain amount of slap. Oh, man. You know, I think I finally got it when kids say that song slaps or kind of slaps. It means you take one <laughs> sip of a warm IPA and it just washes through the, your entire core into your soul. I don't know what it is, but it tastes greasy. Like, good, but greasy. You know, we do keep the cases of this beer underneath our air conditioning unit, so I'm wondering if drippings <laughs> from the air conditioning unit are, like, falling into the beer and giving us weird horror vision. <laughs> we've uh, we've got uh, some Freon in our IPA. How mm. familiar are you with uh, IBUs? IBUs. Intercontinental uh-huh. ballistic missiles. Exactly. Uh, IBUs, it's a super useful thing for people who like to enjoy beer, but no one, no one really knows what they are. Oh, are they like like midichlorians in the bloodstream? Yes, they tie the universe together. 
Uh, what I would like to, like a PSA for people, if you're out there enjoying beer and you don't like IPAs because they're bitter and they like sit on the back of your throat, kind of like earwax. Oh, yeah. Look out for your IBUs. IBUs are your international bitterness units. Oh, like Scoville. Yeah, it's like a it's like a measure of bitterness. The higher the number, the more bitter. So if you want to enjoy IPAs, but the thing that you don't like about them isn't necessarily that sweet, hoppy, soapy taste, but instead the bitterness that comes along with it, look for a low IBUs. Wow, that's very informative. Unlike the news, which we are parodying tonight. And just like tonight, we're going to have some gaffes, some bloopers, like the real news. Like when I just said parody. <laughs> parody. That's going to be, there's going to make, uh, no, YouTube poops aren't a thing anymore. Are they not? Machinima. So. <laughs> Machinima. They're going to make a, uh, they're just going to make a video of you going parody. But they're going to set it to like the Migos, like Versace flow. It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's real good. So, uh, unlike real sports, I mean, unlike real news broadcasts, we're going to start with sports because I don't know how to write a news broadcast and I don't know. What our demographics want, but we're starting with sports. Yay! Wait, can I throw it to you for sports? Sure. All right, everybody, and uh, sports! Sports! We got a world's, a women's World Cup update. We've got to banter a little bit. Oh, man, sports. Yeah, man, sports, take it away. Oh, wow, sports. Thanks, sports. <laughs> so we got a, a Women's World Cup update. Since we have last recorded an episode, the Women's National Team U.S. Division <laughs> has played not one, but two games. The first one, wait, wasn't there one where they completely decimated, then one where they benched all of their starters? Well, yeah, that, okay, that was the last... Two games before these two games. They've played a total of four games. Oh, okay, yeah. No, no, no. I get it. It's the World Cup. I get it. Since the last time we recorded. You mean to tell me. They have played two more games. They played two games in a week? Yes. That's hard. Well, because one of the games ended their group phase, and they entered the... Uh, the 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 sixteen phase. I think yeah, the it, the group of sixteen. The, the group of the 16, challenge yeah. of sixteen. The round they call it. So in the first game we beat Sweden. Uh huh. Annihilated Sweden. Well, it came down. I think the penalty kicks. Really? Yeah. I just assumed because we've been so dominant with our legs on fire. Sweden was the other team to watch in this group. Typically, how they do it, they do two dominant teams, a first seed and a second seed. And then the two other teams have a chance to play spoiler. Yeah. In our in our case, in our group, Group F or whatever we were, Sweden and the U.S. was seed one because we were the, the we won it last time. And then Sweden was seed two. And those two teams won enough to move on. Okay. To the group of 16. Yeah. So not the Septumvirate. I, I mean, I think we played each other to like a draw. I came down to, a, to penalty kicks and we just happened to get more in that. That sweet, sweet basket. Uh, that's really that's what it's called in in soccer terminology is the sweet basket. The sweet, sweet basket. And then just this yesterday, yes, on the Monday of this week, uh, we played España. Ooh, Spain, Spain. And uh, let's just say they played hard. How hard did they play? We beat them by one whole point. Ooh, that's a typical World Cup spread. Yeah, one whole point. That's what you expect from a World Cup. It was two to one. 
That must have been an interesting game to watch. What a shame I didn't. Yeah, I also didn't watch it because it was during the week. That's the problem with all World Cup games, is they take place while you're at work and, and doing other things. And while I can stream a lot of things, one thing I can't stream is sports because they're all protected by some organization. Uh, I think it's called the uh, WADA, World Anti-Doping Association. <laughs> yeah, Wait, World Anti-Downloading Association would have been a funnier joke. And so that means on Friday, this upcoming Friday, the day this episode comes out... You're on notice, listeners. You have to watch it. At 2 p.m. on Friday, <laughs> so okay. also during the week, we are heading off against France. Ooh. Now, how's, uh, how's good old France's women's team? Well, according to this win probability... Uh, open parentheses, 90 minutes, close parentheses. It says, uh, 28% chance France will win. 28% we will draw. 44% we will win. Okay. I have no idea what that's based on. Because there's nothing. What are you on, 538? No, this is just Google. Oh. <laughs> That's just Google throwing its hat into the arena. Google is just kind of showing its hand a little bit and showing that, uh... It has access to a probability machine that, I don't know. It might just be from 538. I'm going to assume it's from 538. I can't tap on it. Oh, no. It doesn't bring me nowhere. Terrible. Well, I hope we win because... That would be nice. Jingoism. Yes. Fuck all those other countries. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... The World Cup is the only time where it's okay to be jingoistic, as our good enemy Jeff once said. Yes, he loves Jinjos from Banjo-Kazooie. That's the joke. That's, That's the joke that we made joke. for a very, very long time. So we wish you well, women's national team. I just wanted to do a quick little update because that's this one thing that we're keeping our eyes on. Yeah, I mean, now the Game of Thrones is over, we have to watch the real game of Bones. Bones. I, n- <laughs> I didn't want to say Game of Balls. <laughs> game, of, game of Balls is a very different thing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So that, unlike... A certain other week, sports. the sports segment of this podcast is over. Yeah. Uh, let's just take a quick moment to name our favorite Game of Balls characters. Of course, there's uh, Jamwell Gnarly. <laughs> that was way too quick for me. What the hell? How uh, did you do that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but he's my favorite. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, so, wait, there's, there's John Balls. <laughs> there's, of course, there's John Balls. Which, of course, that, it's because if you're born in the Balls region, a bastard, your last name is, of course, Balls. Yes. And then there's, um, the mountain that rides. Yeah, so this is hard. But you, you, <laughs> you just had one in the chamber. Yeah. It was really, the universe spoke to me on that one, and there were no, no other good ones, really, at all. Wow. Well, to move this news broadcast along, uh, the teleprompter is telling me we have an update to another thing that we are keeping our eyes on. Oh, that's right. That's correct. Because I have to throw to you. Take it away, Henry. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to throw to you because you're the one who spotted this earlier today uh-huh. and sent it to a certain group chat. So why don't you give us a little update on what's going on in the world of entertainment. So I would like everyone to know that as of today, being when the podcast is recorded, we are 38 days. When the podcast comes out, we are 35 days from the release of the single biggest movie phenomenon in world history. Potentially, 
They're saying maybe the best movie ever. And, and I I have read projections. Like, people are celebrating because uh, Endgame has just cut up to Avatar's first release money mm-hmm. goal total box office smash money. Yeah. Uh, but, That's what they call it. <laughs> smash money. But I, I, I'm, I really think this one movie coming out in 38 to 35 days will be able to single-handedly dethrone both of them because that's how popular and good this franchise is. This movie is going to be quality and money-wise Avengers Endgame plus Avatar. Combined. Combined in quality. And we're talking, of course, about the magnum opus of whoever the fuck is directing it, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. The the, the first official feature-length spin-off in the Fast and Furious Cinematic Universe. This is the first time that the vault has been opened, the characters, the bear is loose, and people can do whatever they want in this franchise, and I personally couldn't be more excited. Just to give our viewers some quick stats, we've watched eight of these movies, talked about them for about 20 hours... We are at a deficit of five Coronas, which we have to make up in the next viewing. And we are 10 out of 10 excited. Yeah. And uh, we recently got to catch a trailer at the beginning of Godzilla King of Monsters, because I think those demographics definitely cross over. I mean, look at me. And uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but in the trailer, I saw a range of environments, yes. a range of w- w- weaponry and, and different cultural dances mixed with tanks uh-huh. and slamming into the sides of buildings. It seems like this movie is going to do the impossible and go everywhere. It seems like this movie is going to do what we've wanted since Fast Five, which is Be Fast Five Part Two. Yes. I... Uh, Really, the, the trailers for Hobbs and Shaw made me feel a, a pretty specific kind of nostalgia. And it's something that I haven't felt in a while and may never feel again exactly the same way. But you know in maybe the early to mid-2000s, when they would release trailers for sequels to video games. Oh, yeah. And, and we would be sold on video games by very simple things. They're just more environments... More weapons, more characters. Yeah. And that's all this trailer is. It's like, hey, is this the shit you love? How about if it's in, like, Hawaii or whatever? I, I like that their approach to this movie seems to be not spin-off, but, like, expansion pack. Yeah. This is, like, the, the DLC campaign for the Fast and Furious universe, featuring characters you know that have been introduced in the main series, but this is just what they're doing in the meantime. Yeah, this is the throne of ball of Fast and Furious yeah, movies. The, which, not to be confused, confused with the game, game of, of balls. balls. The game of balls, sorry. Uh, not to be confused with the game of balls, but it is the throne of balls. The throne of balls of Diablo 2 expansion yeah. that adds like 30 billion hours to the, to the game. Yeah, and that's what Hobbs and Shaw will do. It'll be 30 billion hours long. Oh, what's... I think I'm getting some breaking news from uh, from the field. Uh, well, uh, okay, so I'm just going to say this as I'm hearing it. Uh, it seems that Fast 9 wrapped up their second day of filming today. I believe that is true. Yeah. I did not watch the video. I did not either, but Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez. Is uh-huh. that, yeah. Wow, I, can't, I blinked on her name. I'm having a senior moment. Uh, they they did a little Twitter video or Instagram video. I don't know what social media they posted to, but it was then picked up everywhere that uh, they they started filming 
Fast 9. It is happening. It is going to happen, John. It is happening. Not only is it happening, but it's it's at this point confirmed Fast and Familia, too. Oh, yeah. This is a Fast and Furious movie, not like Hobbs and Shaw, not a side story. Uh, what side story in Japanese? Used to be addended to a lot of video games. Gaiden? Yes. So, this is Hobbs, not Gaiden. Hobbs and Shaw is Fast and Furious Gaiden, whereas this is mainline. This is yeah. super Fast and Furious. Yeah, this is Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely Final Fantasy IV. Oh, why'd they call those games Ninja Gaiden when they where's the main ninja story? I think Gaiden just means like hidden or oh, okay. or, or like hidden. Hidden. Fast and Furious Hidden. Yeah. Okay. Hobson Shaw, Fast and Furious Gaiden. Uh but no, I I'm very excited for this because I want to see those people in a movie again. I've been very excited for Hobson Shaw, as you all have heard. Uh but I'm like ludicrously excited to see these people in another movie. The last time I followed a series this big that was still in progress, uh, it was The Song of Ice and Fire, and that I'm still waiting for the next edition of that. I'm happy to see production start on Fast 9, but I'm not going to believe it's coming out until I'm sitting in the theater with the book, <laughs> waiting for the <laughs> book to be handed to me. Yeah. No, see, the problem is, like, uh, you know, names are a problem, so uh, Game of Balls, of course, is based on the original series of books, A Song of Ass and Liars. <laughs> that, that's all, the universe is just speaking to you <laughs> in precise moments. It is. It, it, that's not how news works. We're supposed to be handed cards. Uh, so I do have a, a quick update. If we're done with Hobbs and Shaw, if you had any other action well, items. Well, I just hope that they can pull it out and everyone gets to go home happy. Over to you, John. Uh, yes, I, I do. I don't know. There, there was a fair amount of Fast and Furious drama that came out. And there's a time and a place to talk about it. Maybe during the supplemental reading of Hobbs and Shaw, which will be super long. Who knows? Uh, but I hope that everyone's happy. All the beef seems to be squashed, hatchets buried. So hopefully everyone just goes home happy. All right. So there, what, what, what you just said in a roundabout way is there is some beef. Uh huh. But it seems like maybe they have worked it out. Uh huh. And you hope they pull it out and everyone gets to go home happy. Yeah, so a pretty original thought, I think. <laughs> he just repeated everything I just said. Anyway, back to you, Henry. No, just kidding, it's me. Uh so <laughs> Could you imagine a news broadcast over to you, Frank? Actually, it's me. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Frank. Uh so I would like to update everyone on something that we've been kind of following throughout time. Uh and it's something that's growing, you know, and we try to stay Apolitical on this podcast, which uh, will only get us so far. Uh, but I know that we have been covering the Democratic presidential hopeful field as it is ever expanding. What are we up to? Like 2,500? 25 is exactly right. So over. I said 2,500. Over. 2,500 is exactly. Right, but multiplied by 100. Okay. Uh, now there's 25 presidential hopefuls in the Democratic field right now. And three were added to the race recently, so I think that it might be in our best interest to introduce them to people on the podcast. Of course, the first one is Frederick Pokemon. Uh, Frederick Pokemon is running a, a pretty strict campaign. Uh, he loves handguns, 
Like, his whole campaign is, like, he's one of those libertarian Dems. He's really big on handguns, and he believes that uh, we should cancel all debt that is held by people who own handguns. And he wants to uh, expunge handgun laws. And he would also like to uh, replace the SNAP affordable food program with uh, bullets. Wow. Yeah, he really gets to like those Midwest kind of centrists because they're like, oh, he's the daywalker. He loves guns, but he's a Democrat. Ah, I love him. He's going after a certain base that he's hoping to build his entire platform on. In this case, it's people who specifically like just handguns. Yes. His- now, how does he feel about assault rifles and other... Like shotguns. Is he, does he think that's too far? Punishable by execution, last I heard. <laughs> Punishable by execution via handgun. Absolutely. All other forms of execution will be outlawed, and you can only kill people via handguns. <laughs> I am against the death penalty <laughs> unless it is carried out by a handgun. That's, that's pretty much his... Uh, and what he wants to do is, you know, we all kind of agree that saying the Pledge of Allegiance in schools is outdated. He will now have all children field strip handguns and put them back together. Interesting. And then dry fire them at their teacher. <laughs> That's horrifying. It really is. Oh uh, whatever his first name, Frederick Pokemon, not a great guy. I'm, I'm calling it now. He's probably going to come in on a 30, 40% of the vote. <laughs> Wait. 30 or 40%? <laughs> Of the entire vote, or just the Democratic vote? Uh, who knows? Who okay. can say? I'm not 538. Alright, well... <sighs> I can't believe you're going back to this tired old well. Is the slogan for our next candidate, Will Wells. <laughs> he is running for his 80th time for Democrat. He is... Very old. Yes, very, very old. I believe you can only vote for a president once every four years. So if he's run 80 times, that's what, 320 years? He is the only vampire candidate. And really, I honestly think it's just the machine he built around himself. The political machine that's... And the literal machine. (laughs) And the literal machine that's forcing him back into this race. Because as the slogan suggests, I don't think his heart... Or lack of one is in it because, you know, look at that slogan. I can't believe you're going back to this tired old well. Yeah, I mean, if if you look at... The interesting thing about it is he clearly does not want to run. Yeah. Like at every presser he has said over and over again, I do not want to be president. Please let me rest. Let me die. Whereas the vampiric robot body keeps repeating uh what is dead may never die even in death you will serve in the office of president and then fires a chain gun into the air until the reporters disperse and what's fascinating is that people are eating it up there's he's all over social media he's got a real like mike gravel kind of now you can tell some things that he tweets aren't written by him definitely like the ones (laughs) There, he, he, his his meme game is on point. He's got some really funny ones out there. Uh, you, you can tell, like, uh, this one right here that I'm pulling up in front of you. I love life. I love the sun. I am not a vampire. Very funny, because we all, as we know, he is the only vampire candidate, and he's yeah. been alive for literally 320 years. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the comments, it's just same, 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 legend, same, yes. People are eating it up. And this one, I mean, 
people like to get a little avant-garde with it, which, as old as he is, you wouldn't think he'd do this. But this one just says in all capital letters, PRESIDENT. <laughs> he's, he's letting people know where where his goals lie. Yeah. And he he's just saying he wants to be president. <laughs> he, he, but maybe he doesn't. It's it's a what I really like about him is you have no idea where he stands. Yeah, you have no idea where he stands because he's somewhere inside that giant vampire robot. Plus like he has a a shade giving like umbrella network so you literally can't see him yeah you cannot see him it's a real ghost wire tokyo situation so yeah we wish you well will wells and you know can't believe we're going back to this tired old well <laughs> uh many blessings now of course we do have a third person who's entered the democratic race and uh, i don't want this to be asym- asymmetrical where i come up with not come up with where I state factually the name. So uh, we can, I'll I'll say his first name, because we all know people have been waiting for this person to enter the race for a long, long time. And we're going to say it together. All right. Three, two, one. Myron Bears. That's right, Mark Marin Bears. Mark Marin Bears, oddly enough, the Wisconsin candidate for the Dems, number 25. He, he actually got a jersey made because he was the 25th person to enter the race. Myers Bear, 25. Yeah. Elect me for 2020. It's very confusing, very long, and it doesn't actually fit on the jersey. It's, it's very strange because after he got the jersey, he immediately requested that it be retired in the Staples Center. They had the whole ceremony where they like lift it up and the, you never played for any of the teams at the Staples Center, but he wanted it to happen. The first politician whose jersey <laughs> Has never been retired at the Staples Center, which I assume is a hockey arena. <laughs> uh, absolutely, the Staples Center is a hockey arena. You got that in one slap shot. Uh, but Mike Myers, is it Mike Myers Bears or I, Mike I, Mark Marin Bears? I'm pretty sure it was Mark Myron's Bear. Mark Myron's Bears. He's an interesting candidate because he really only has the one position, and uh, that, that is, is left d- defense. Yeah. <laughs> he only. The one position that he has is just a hard defensive left. Hard defensive left. And the thing is, you don't want to, you really don't want to get him in a debate because he's a real goon. Yeah, I'll like, bet. he'll throw gloves in a second. He will, he will defend the Constitution with both his gloves and stick. One time, so there was a presser they were having for Mark Myron's Bears, and there was like, uh, there was just a window. It was actually a window to Pizza Ranch in Ohio. No, Idaho, Ohio. Uh, and he saw it, and immediately he imagined it was the same high-quality plexiglass that you typically imagine encircles the famed hockey arena, which is the Staples Center, which is not at all a place where basketball is played. Uh, and he, he, he found a reporter, and he took them to the glass hard and killed them. And he said, this is what I do to policy. This is what I do to your policy. Take this. Republicans take this, Democrats, and he's just ramming this poor reporter into the glass mm-hmm. over and over again, saying, "This is for you, America." Yeah, and it's it's really interesting that he's there now because you feel like he doesn't really want to win; he's just there to fight. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he he wants to take out a few of the other candidates. 
I don't know who he's working for, but I feel like he, he's got this team spirit thing going on. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's somebody's brother. Yeah, he's got to be someone's brother. It's tough to say exactly who. And we we daren't speculate, but Mark Myron's Bears, we wish you the best. Yeah, just don't come at us. Yeah, please don't, don't come at us. Don't debate us. Don't fight us. We will not go anywhere near your goal. <laughs> of becoming president. <laughs> yes, unless we announce, which who knows. Oh, we're not announcing. Why would we announce? Why would we add more fuel to this moron fire? Yeah, it is really a moron fire. Which it's really a shame that Mike Moron Fire did not. No, he he is staying in the Rhode Island Senate where he can do the most work. And I am just very happy for he can, him. He can really do the most good. You don't want him to do something really boneheaded like... Uh, Enter the Democratic race and then say that everyone who's not in the military should pay a war tax or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you would not want to see that. You would not want to see a really hopeful, like, Democratic candidate do something really strange and dumb like that. Good thing no one's done that. Yeah, seemingly out of nowhere, unprompted, just saying that, breaking news today... And you happen to be from Texas. I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, to, That's weird. To do that, you basically must be free associating your presidential campaign. Like, that couldn't have been cleared by anybody. Because no one thinks that shit's a good idea. But also, it's not real, so obviously... Yeah, it's... hypothetically, that would just be, like, suicide for your campaign. And uh, even weirder, when you were so obviously aiming for vice presidency... Yeah. That now, like... You kind of took yourself out of the entire picture. Yeah, you really shot yourself in the foot with that ridiculous thing that makes no sense. Person who doesn't exist in a purely hypothetical situation. Yeah, person whose name does not at all rhyme with Mido O'Rourke. <laughs> yeah, Mido O'Rourke. Or your similarly named doppelganger. Thank God you don't exist. <laughs> yes. Every day I wake up and I look to the sun and say... Thank God, Mir or Lord Lork doesn't exist. <laughs> Me or Lord Lork. I feel like maybe that doesn't rhyme with anything at this point. I don't know what's happening. Uh, so yes, that is the end of a, of a classic segment, catching up on the ever-growing Democratic presidential nomination field. And what else is in the news, Henry? Oh, man. Oh, don't even get me started about this news, man. You know I... what they say? You don't want to get Henry started about the news. Well, too late. Shit. Henry's revving up. Henry's raring to go. Henry's gonna go to his famous anime corner. Anime corner? There needs to be some kind of jingle for anime corner. Kakakori. Kakakakori. Funny that you... <laughs> that bird. <laughs> Funny that that bird made that weird kakaguri noise. Uh, pass me one of those warm, warm IPAs. Oh, you're going to crack into a warm IPA before <laughs> oh, you talk about some anime. Got to crack open a warm boy. <laughs> Welcome to 2019, where we drink IPAs, watch anime, and talk about eating butt. So, as you know, I've been making my way through the second season of Kakaguri, the the show where people gamble. They get their gambling freak on. They get their gambling freak on. Now, a lot of surprising developments have have come out, but my takeaway, the biggest moment from this season happens early on. Uh, You see, because there is a famous pop idol who goes to this high school, and she wants to be an actor one day. Uh Uh-huh. And so, she's got this fan base, but little does she know... A famous Hollywood actor once went to that high school 
and she shows up to support the Mamobami clan, uh-huh. who is vying... The Barack for, Obama clan? Who is vying for the presidency of this high school. Uh-huh. And this actor shows up to challenge the pop idol to a, a, a talent off. Uh-huh. And it all starts, John. <laughs> Wait, it sounds like it already started. <laughs> it all starts with a singing competition, a sing-off. And so the pop idol does her original singing song where she sings originally lyrics that were not translated into English. Uh-huh. So it was very odd for me. Wait, are you watching the dub? I'm always dub over sub, baby. Really? I'm always dub over sub. Interesting choice. Yeah, it's really hard to dub music. It's ten yeah. times harder. And so that makes this next part weird because the actual actor wins the singing competition by singing Amazing Grace in English. In, wait, in English? Hold on. In English as the dub or in English as the, the Japanese? Both. What? It is the same in both. And she sings it okay. But everyone in the audience is so surprised by her singing ability of amazing fucking grace yeah. that they break their bribe promise to the idol and vote for her, the, 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 the Hollywood actor, because she sang amazing <laughs> grace so well. That's, it's incredible because obviously Kakaguri is a show that has its primary audience, or at least its immediate audience in Japan. Yes. So it's interesting to think that you could really have something where they could sing anything, and since the Japanese would probably have a limited understanding of Amazing Grace's completely, like, rote, overplayed nature in American culture, they would be like, oh, this is an American song. The best part about her singing Amazing Grace is that she finishes the first verse and continues into the second verse only it's not the second verse it is the first verse again oh no what <laughs> that's amazing grace amazing grace you know what that reminds me of what uh have you ever played no more heroes absolutely i have uh you remember um what's the name of the song the virgin makes a wish while sacrificing everything I do not remember that. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me pull it up. It's a song in English by an American voice actor that was written by people who speak Japanese.
So yeah, similar vibe. Yeah, very similar vibe. Uh, except with Amazing Grace. Uh, yeah, maybe even a worse choice than a song that's completely made up. Now I've got some horrifying news about Kakaguri. Huh. I, I we we we're caught up. Oh, you're caught up to Kakaguri. Season two catches up with the manga. No. That's always a horrifying feeling, which we've discussed on the podcast. So people people on the Kakaguri forums, which I found, because of course I wanted to see how close we were to the end of the manga, are saying that, oh, we're not going to get another Kakaguri until like 2023. I am sad. Uh, that also seems unlikely, but maybe people have moved away slightly from the uh, filler culture of... Making anime from what I can, for TV. From what I can tell, uh, Kakoguri, the anime, follows the manga very well, very closely, only it takes certain events and puts them in a different order for different reasons. Yeah. So the, all of the events you see kind of happen in one way or another, uh, but they're in a different order. I mean, as long as you're effectively, like, telling the story, you can switch it around. I just want to know what happens to the Momobami clan. I want to know what happens to the Momobomo clan, too. Are they going to take over the presidency, or is it going to go to our protagonist, whose name I have still yet to pick up? Is it, it has been No, it's the name of the school for the last time, John. Oh, sorry. It has been 26 episodes. I don't know anyone's name on the show. Uh, wait, can I make a guess? Yeah. Shinji. No, that's from another one. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, it's a, it's a really terrible feeling. I felt that way after I watched the first season of Attack on Titan. And then I proceeded to never watch Attack on Titan again. There are names in Attack on Titan? No, I felt that same way when we had, like, caught up and I knew that I would not have more for a long time. Oh, I think two seasons have come out. Have not watched it. I'm pretty sure... Completely lost interest. I'm pretty sure season three is airing right now. Yeah, I lost interest because I waited so long, but I really want to watch it because I love me some Attack on Titan. I think what I have learned from my anime watching days is that it takes, like, four seasons for me to learn the protagonist's name, and from there I might pick up, like, one or two more. You know what, uh... I think the only thing that I learned from my anime watching days is, uh, you should just watch Yu Yu Hakusho... Oh, I know that one because uh, the protagonist's name is Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah! See, I liked when they used to make the protagonist's name the name of the anime, like Inuyasha. Or Tenchi Muyo. Tenchi, any of the Tenchi Muyos. Yeah. Or Tricon. <laughs> His Cowboy Bebop. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, how funny that you randomly mentioned that, John. What? Neon Genesis Evangelion. Has released on Netflix. Have you heard about this? Do you know about this? Have you heard about this? I'm Jay Leno. We talked about this on the last podcast. Well, guess what, John? What? This young boy, who is me, has started to watch it. For the first time in your life. For the first time in my life. But before we get to my reactions, I'll have you know that people are not happy with the Netflix adaptation of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Because they've changed a few things from the original airing. Wait, why would they change things? Maybe music license issues. I, I maybe guess other that's issues. That but, show did come out a hell of a long time ago. But one thing they changed, and I, I, I am appalled. They changed the opener. Wait, what? They changed the opener, and I'm going to show you the new opener right now after this ad loads. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you know what this is? You, you read it, then. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I... <laughs> it's really good. I should have full screened it. Dang it. <laughs> Very good. You get the idea of the joke? Yeah, I get the idea. Oh, what a joke you've played on me. <laughs> I showed him the King of the Hill <laughs> Neon Genesis Evangelion opening. It was a ruse. We, we've however, got to calibrate. However, what? Evangelion? I don't know how to say it. I say Evangelion. Even Malian. Uh, growing up, all of my friends said Evangelion, which might be more... Evangelical, I think, maybe makes more sense. I think so, too. They said it in the first episode. Yeah, but I don't watch that Japanese. What? No, I watched it in English. I only watch... I only watch subs, man. Oh, you, you're a sub person. So Absolutely. So they're actually... Not a dom. <laughs> God damn it. There actually are a couple of changes. That wasn't all a joke. Oh. Netflix has... Changed for whatever reason, uh, two th- major things. Uh, change number one is that the ending song is no longer the uh, cover of Fly Me to the Moon. Uh, that's fair, I guess. Uh, it's now just like a random sad piano music. Great. That's not cool, but... I, I In the Japanese version, uh, on in Japanese Netflix, which is apparently a thing... The song is unchanged, so it might be U.S. music licensing. The Frank Sinatra estate is very litigious. Mm-hmm. People, like, people genuinely have a very hard time with Sinatra songs. And then the second big change w- would probably affect you, because uh, this n- version of Neon Genesis Evangelion... Evangelion? I don't know how to say it, man. Let's just, wait, let's say Evangelion for now. Okay. I'm not going to remember that. Evangelion. But it got a new English translation for the subs. Okay. Brand new. Okay. Done for a modern take on the series. Okay. And it rewrote or retranslated or reinterpreted the relationship between sin- shit shit Shinji, yeah, and his male friend whose name I do not remember. Oh, because I have not met him in the anime yet. Completely forgot his name. Starts with a K. Kaoruabi. Kaoru? Kaoru. Yeah, maybe something like that. Reinterpreted the relationship to be less gay. Why would they do that? Because their relationship is very gay. I mean, their their relationship is very ambiguous, but the. Like, that relationship exists in that way for that reason. Like, okay, beyond everything about, like, Neon Genesis Evangelion with, like, its super Judeo-Christian overtones and imagery. Well, yeah, uh, because it's based on that mythos. But, like, it's, it's, a, it's a show about the id and sexuality and sexual identity, for the most part. Like, it's, that's what that show's about. So Twitter user uh, Meoshans... Was the first one to point it out. A he did he or she did a side by side comparison of the subtitles. The top is uh, the original, where the character says "Yes, worthy of love." I mean, I love you. To the bottom, where it says "Yes, you're worthy of my grace." It means I like you. Why would they do that? And the person who did the translations could not comment directly on the scene mm-hmm. when he was asked about it. He instead said something about this is a more modern approach to the series. It should be more faithful to the actual uh, words said. 
to which other people called out, but the words said were literally this, and it literally means this, and yeah. you changed it from that, and then it just kind of became a, a real big angry flame war. I mean, uh, I don't like anything devolving into a flame war, but I, I do feel like we have a pretty prickly... Translation in itself is something that kind of goes overlooked as far as being a, a phenomenally, like, fundamental conversation between artists and the people who end up enjoying their work. Because translation is... It, it's literally the most fundamental change you can take to, you can make to a work is translating it. Yeah. Because, I, like... For a lot of things, especially like a, a lot of older animes and video games, translators would just have massive blocks of text and spreadsheets that they just translate one to one. Yes. No idea of context because they had to crank this shit out very quickly. Uh, that's less the case now because there are more translators working. But like, you can, depending on your relationship to the work and what you do when you translate, you can completely change the meaning of something, which seems to have happened in this case. There are entire academic fields that study just translations, and translations are still done to this day, not by linguists, but a lot of times by writers. Yeah. Like Neil Gaiman just translated Norse mythology a couple of years ago. I said mm -hmm. just, but it was a couple of years ago. It, it, translations still happen, and it still is very much art, more art than science. Yeah, because translation is not a scientific process, because something that you say in one language, if you map it exactly to its closest relatives in another language, will mean a completely different thing. I think the... There was a translator for Umberto Eco, and I think he also did Italo Calvino, some Italo Calvino books. I think his name was Jeffrey Weaver. He passed away recently. Uh, but he wrote essays and essays about the relationship that a translator has to an author. And he talks about being like a very intimate relationship where you truly have to put in time and effort to understand what a work meant. And you need to analyze its themes. And that to, to be an adequate translator, you cannot be a scientist. You have to be an artist. Yes. And even then... Let a very good translator is going to give you something very close, but it's still 90% original intent, 10% the intent of the translator. Every time a work is translated, like you said, uh, you know, there is some kind of lay crossover between literal translation and interpretation. Yeah. Translation is interpretation. You, you can't interpret in a non-biased way your interpretation will color the entire work. Mm -hmm. I have found the response of the translator because I wanted to better uh, represent his argument just for the sake of being unbiased because I, I did not... I, I have no personal stake in this. Uh, so somebody asked him about why the change to make the, the relationship between Senji and Karu more platonic versus romantic. And his response is, while I am not in a position to refer specifically to the decision involved in the scene you described, in all my translation of any title, I have tried my best to be faithful to the original source material, bar none. The power of storytelling sometimes depends on the, the ability of audiences to establish emotional relationships with the character as well as recognizing intimacy between people based on inferences. It is one thing for characters to confess their love, it is quite another for the audience to infer inf affection and leave them guessing. How committed are the characters? What possible misunderstandings might be taking place? Leaving room for interpretation makes makes things exciting. 
I mean, I can kind of understand where he's coming from, uh, because you don't necessarily have to have a character say what they feel all the time, and I don't think that that's a translator's job necessarily, um, and I don't think anyone would write dialogue in that way. What's super interesting to point out in his defense of his translation is the amount of times his English grammar is bad. Mm. So, like, what misunderstandings might be talking place. Oh, strange. Leaving room for interpretation makes things... That one's, like, fine. But, like, if you are an English translator, maybe your grammar should be a little... I'm not judging... I'm not attacking this character... I am just pointing out the fact that this man is an English translator, yeah, and his English seems a little off. And I know English is probably not his first language because his Twitter handles in Japanese. I would almost prefer that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I would prefer someone translate this into English if English was not their first language. I think that's exactly what happened there. Uh, and I mean, it's it's I I understand where this person might be coming from, but like I said, it's it's difficult. I I do believe that the uh, the text as it was initially given to me was what I consider to be correct, but who's to say because I don't speak Japanese. So when you watched this series originally, you didn't watch it on Toonami? You didn't watch it on Cartoon Network? No, I downloaded it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I downloaded the original fan subs. I actually... So there was a time when you could arrange to buy VHS fan subs from people, and I owned a few episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion that way. Uh, There was a crazy time. Even Gelmion. <laughs> even Gelmion. So I, I plan to watch the dub because I've always watched dubs even though... I'm sure the dub's fine. Well, I, I, I'm i going to keep an eye out because the dub is original, I believe. It, it's the original audio. So I'm going to keep an eye out on their, the, the relationship to see how that relationship between Sinji and Kairu, Kai, whatever his name is, is presented in English... English. that I, There's no word after <laughs> English. Yeah. How that relationship is presented in, in English... To see, like, if there's even, like, a weird discrepancy between the characters, between the sub and the dub from the original work. I mean, the the thing that you want to look out for when you're watching Evangelion is you're going to be, well, there's four characters. I won't tell you who the fourth one is. Well, well it's, all, it's all a show about relationships and, and how we deal with trauma. And really. fan service. And there's, there's not as much of that as you might think. Oh, I'm referring to at the end of every episode... On the on the next episode thing, and the English dub, every last sentence is and more fan service and like and don't worry, the fan service is in the next episode. Like it's a constant joke. That Wait, where, when is that? At so at the end of the credits, uh-huh. there's like on the next episode, and they do like a brief synopsis of the next episode, uh-huh. and the end of that is always. And watch out for the fan service. The joke being, yeah. there is no fan service. Yeah. Is that new? I don't know if that's That new. has been around forever. Okay. I might be totally wrong. That, 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 that just doesn't... It does. I don't recall that. Well, it was in the English dub. It wasn't oh, in your stupid it Japanese my, it sub. It was sweet, sweet subs. Actually, it might be in the Japanese subs. But if you got fan subs, they might have left it out because they thought it... It, they thought of it as a distasteful joke. It's also been years since I watched it. But watch out for the relationship between Shinji to Kaoru, which I think is what his I name is. I have no idea what his name Shinji is. Shinji to Shinji to Asuka. Those are the big ones that you look out for. Those are the ones where you hunt and pick your themes. Who the fuck is Asuka? Don't worry about it. Who the f- I actually met Ray. 
She's got blue hair. Ray has blue short hair. Uh, Evangelion. She seems very fucking injured. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is good. So I have watched the first episode of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh-huh. And uh, so far, I have to say is, I get it. You get that it's good? No, I get it. I get what it's doing. I, it's a subversion of the typical like mech anime where the protagonist is a gun-ho kid. It's like, no, the realities of the situation is this kid literally fucking showed up five minutes ago and you're shoving him into the most dangerous situation he's ever been in and everyone around him is counting on him because they know the stakes, but he doesn't fucking know the stakes because he just got there. So yeah, he's going to say no. I would actually argue that it is not... It's not as... Subversive as I think. No, I just don't think it's it's subversive of mecha storytelling. I think that it's subversive of things like Ultraman. Okay. It, it's subversive against, like... Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. that That's much more in line with the themes that subverts rather than, like, mecha anime. Because for the most part, I feel like the great majority of mecha anime is in itself subversive. Because mecha anime was supposed to be a subversion of a superhero trope. By okay. being, like, it's it's power of the human will and the collective rather than the power of the one. Uh, but no, that's that's more what it subverts, in my opinion. But every art is open to interpretation. It's a good show. So the point is, I'm going to be watching one episode a week. Ooh, you should be done pretty soon. And there's 26 episodes. We'll be done by the time That's half a the year. I mean, I'm okay with that. I So every week, look forward to my, hopefully if I get to it... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm going to start rewatching it as well, so maybe we can keep on the same track with oh, it. Oh, catch up with me. I, I have seen one episode. I've seen the show three or four times. I have seen clips from the EVA. How do you feel about your relationship Wait. to your father? OVA. OVA. Because back in, like, 2014, they redid the whole series as three movies, remember? Yep. Yeah, I've seen clips from that. Oh, you haven't? Have you seen, well, everyone knows what happens in End of Evangelion, and that's really the least interesting thing. I also randomly, it was on in the background, because I used to watch Toonami on Saturday nights, I have seen the part where people say congratulations with zero yeah. context. Wow, interesting. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have no idea what's happening. Everyone knows. Uh, I, what, what are you saying? Just have fun with it. Mm. Enjoy. Uh, anime's good. Anime's good. Baki. Congratulations. I've watched zero more Baki. That's fine. You just stopped before the best episode. I want to see them sing. Look, it's a very gruesome fucking... No, it's There's not... so much goddamn blood. It's not fun to watch. I'm right with you there. That's all I had to talk about. But we still have like ten minutes left. Oh, we still have ten minutes left, hey? Yeah. Hey? Hey? Yeah, we still hey. have like ten minutes left. Well, I think I know what we can talk about. Oh, uh, I actually have no idea. Oh, uh, yeah. I I was thinking, is there like a Zelda update? Remember, we were parodying a news broadcast. We were at the opening, and I feel by now that we have completely lost the thread. What we can do is we can rally. We can get a organ. Fucking organ. We can get a second organ. Do you know what's happening in Oregon right now, John? Uh, there's a pastry shop. Probably. Oh my. All right, so we're going to get a little bit political because it's Oregon, and why not? The Oregon State Senate, John, do you know how it's comprised? Wait, can we make a quick, like, political no. aside? What's up? Beforehand, like a disclaimer? What's up? 
It was something we talked about having concerns about. This uh, this is more important. This charade that we remain apolitical in the podcast, I, we share a concern that it makes us seem like maybe we might be on anyone's side, or sometimes not picking a side is as good as, you know what, not not joining a fight is sometimes as good as starting it. There's bad things happening. The president is bad. Yeah. the I don't think... No matter who you are, I think you're going to look at the situation and say, the president's a really horrible, gross dude. Yep. Not good. Yeah. Not good. I want to, I want to say we are unequivocally not on, on the episode. We are not on anyone's side, but we are fiercely anti-president. Yeah, we are not on anyone's side, but fuck that guy. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, Jesus Christ. I, yeah. Fuck that guy. Oh, man. Anyway. Oregon. Do you know how the state senate is comprised, John? Uh, you don't. I don't. There are 18 Democrats and uh-huh. there are 12 Republicans uh-huh. in the Oregon State Senate. You need 20 people to comprise a quorum, a quorum, to be able to do any business legally. Mm-hmm. Oregon and the state senate was going to vote on a climate change bill that was going to downplay the logging industry in the state. Okay. Thousands of jobs. We're so, like, uh, like decrease the presence of the logging industry or its power? Decreasing, base, regulating how much logging can be done. Great. As far as I understand it, that is what was happening. Excuse me. So, that was, that's, the, the bill was coming up to docket. The Democrats had the votes. This was going to pass. It's, that's just how it was. Mm-hmm. The Republicans responded by leaving the state. The state? They fled to Utah. Wait, the, Utah's not that close. I know. I know. They fled to Utah uh-huh. and holed up in the Utah the Utah state capital, where they were then surrounded by a right-wing militia uh-huh. who were armed with guns. Great. And threatened the police, any police... Who would come to try to arrest them. Uh-huh. This is an actual thing that happened. Uh, so that's incredible. And might still be happening. Okay. Oregon, John. I mean, I don't know about the Utah police, but I believe if there's, like, people threatening to kill police, the police typically respond by shooting those people. I th- Not that I wish harm upon anyone, but in, in my experience... When the police are har- are threatened with bodily harm, they do not respond well. But I guess when people are, are right-wing white nut jobs, they're probably fine with it. The craziest thing about all of this, almost zero news coverage. I have not heard about this whatsoever. I learned about this on Twitter because an, an Oregon state Democrat tweeted about it. How is this not being picked up by anybody? Well, there's a lot of things that happened this past weekend... That was not picked up by the news. Such as? I don't know if we want to get into it, but oh. certain allegations against certain presidents. Oh, you mean like the president being an alleged rapist and then saying that the person who alleges that he raped them is not his type? Exactly that. Sweet. Good. Good to Again, know. Again. Good to know that this person who is... Uh, bragged this, about. Good to know that this person who has accused the president of rape... Has been accused officially by the president of not being attractive enough to rape. The weirdest thing about that, there are two things. One, the media picked up on. 
So what, you know, the question is, so what if she was your type? You would then rape her? Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, she was 13! Yep. You can't look at a woman now and declare, oh, she's not my type. Yeah, it's... When the, 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 the alleged event happened when she was, like, way younger. I mean, you also have to understand that the president, as we're talking about him now, is, uh, just like, a. An idiot. It, he's a he's an addle-brained like specter of a monster. Like the most frustrating thing about the president right now is we cannot even truly be mad at him for his actions because he's just like a hollow automaton that whose like brain cavity used to hold like a pure, genuine like sociopathic monster, but now he's degraded to a point where you you it's like at the end of a movie. Where you want to get revenge on someone really badly, and then you work years to do it, and then they're just like feeble and old, and they're dribbling out of the side of their mouth. It's a it's a pyrrhic victory. I understand exactly what you're saying, but I disagree because I feel like we can and should. Oh, absolutely, feel as angry and, and hold them to as much contempt as humanly possible for these actions. I, I just I know that you feel the same way. Yeah. I just want to state it for the record that absolutely we are not saying you can excuse his behavior because he is a shell of a man because he's an idiot and demented and sundowning on every moment of the day. <laughs> we yeah. can absolutely hold him to the full extent of the law. Yeah, essentially what I mean, and I, I see why what I was saying came off that way. I just mean that it's a shame we can't enjoy it as much as we could have. I, I understand. Because even if, like, he goes to jail at this point, the story in his weird addled brain is that, oh, they're all against me. This is the work of the Democrats. Yeah. It would not be, and probably never would have been, this is the result of my actions. Because narcissists don't tend to think of the world in that sort of a logical way where uh, cause and effect can be related to the actions that you actually do. Yeah. I mean, you know, we... In, in a punitive system, it, it's not a healthy thing to do. We're like, I want from my punitive action some amount of catharsis, but we want it. It's not healthy to want it because you want it to be a scientific process. Uh, but no, horrible. Also, uh, people should fucking bring the hammer down on those people in Utah. Holy shit. And if we're ripping band-aids off, I just want to say, any stupid pundit or naysayer of a woman president who says... Oh, but her mood swings. We're going to trust the security of our nation to someone who can change their mind on, uh, at the drop of a dime? The past weekend, we almost fucking bombed Iran until at the very last second Trump said, Uh, no, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, we live in a true nightmare world. Uh, we lived through the nightmare scenario of those naysayers only they're not going to address it because, again, the media barely covered it. Yeah. Because, get this, the media, as it has always been, is pro-fucking-war. I mean, it's pro-ratings. War gives you ratings. Uh, no, I'm... Down with ratings. Down with capitalism. Down with America. Uh, down with America. That's three IPAs in for Henry. That's where he stands. What's the, uh... Is this, like, 6.5? Almost 8. Jesus Almost eight. Christ, I can like no, really it, feel this. This is going to be bad for the next couple of months of the podcast. Uh, it's an extra IPA, so we have to learn to pace 7. ourselves. 7.2. Yeah, it's high. Maybe we do two a week instead of three. Uh, I mean, we did just say down with America. But no, I 
it's been about a year, I believe, since we get political. Uh, but no, I, I absolutely agree. I don't agree. think it's been a year. Longer? Less than a year? In my head, I'm always political. <laughs> I mean, I, I try to be political wherever possible. We hate capitalism. Uh, well, we, that's more economic. The problem is, like, the, the issue we're running into is that we've existed in a system that's so fundamentally broken for so long it seemed rational. And now that we are starting to see... Because, really, within the last... Three years since 2016. Eh, I'd say latter years Obama. So maybe for the past like seven years, yeah. we've been seeing the the true face of the system we've created. We've been seeing everything that we, not we, but people in power put into motion to create a system from which there's no escape. We, we gleefully wandered into a maze post-World War II uh in the 1980s uh, leading up to the 1980s looking for cheese and since the end of the 1980s we have like slowly been like oh shit are we in a maze hold on and then all the exits have been locked yeah because the maze has been built for us by people like mitch mcconnell like it's we live in a system where it is so impossible to register outrage in a meaningful actionable way to like actually take political praxis into our own hands and see individual change happen, that the system can do whatever it wants to us at this point, unless we fight really, really hard to change it. We have to fight so hard that it is completely demoralizing. The thing is, you look at the world stage and you see, like, the yellow jacket protest in Paris, or you see the very organized, very nice protest happening in Hong Kong where, like, they provide gas masks and umbrellas to the journalists who are not prepared, or you see clips of entire throngs of people moving out of the way of an ambulance and then reforming around it because they realize the ambulance isn't what they're protesting, it's the government mm -hmm. that happened in Hong Kong. You see other nations demonstrating their... their like absolute rejection of the system and exercising freedoms that we claim to uphold and honor and protect. And yet all of our protests get nowhere, do nothing, don't even really make national news. And we can't organize on a national stage because maybe by design, maybe just from the fact that we are 50 individual countries acting like one unified one, uh, we can't organize on a national level the way we would want to. I mean, we, we can't organize on a national level the way that we want to because we we live in the panopticon. Like, we, we live in an environment on a day-to-day -day basis where we've been so, like, it's been so ingrained in us to behave in a certain way for, like, fear of our careers or fear of our personal lives. Whereas in, in other countries, if people have gotten to a point where they're like, organizing seriously they're organizing seriously predicated on the fact that those promises have been taken away from them and they realize it whereas america is very slow on the uptake for it because it's baked into our like cultural identity it's baked into our cultural identity that comes down to individual choice we're responsible for our own actions and that organization is immoral like look at every state that's a right to work state look at every state like the one we're in that washes all union action we look at organization as a weakness Whereas a lot of other countries, part of their cultural identity is that organization is a strength. But American individualism makes it extremely difficult to effectively organize. 
And we, uh, we've been taught for years you don't really want to buck the system because there is the slimmest possibility that the system can make you absolutely wealthy and fortunate and be on the, the same side as these ultra-mega billionaires whose wealth we cannot even begin to actually understand with our dumb, feeble human brains. I mean, it's it's a situation where if you take any of the like Twitter reply guys... To anyone who criticizes billionaires. Uh, They're not really concentration camps. Uh, Look at the definition. Uh, Or like anyone who fantasizes or idolizes people like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Like this whole like startup culture. The problem is, and this is a myth that we've been sold since the dawn of America. Since the dawn of America. But I really feel like it's it's a myth we've been sold since post-World War II. Hamilton. Is anyone can make it. Uh, Hamilton. Yeah, true. I mean, it's baked into our cultural identity that individualization and individualism is us. So we imagine, and the reason why we protect our wealthiest classes is because if we dangle the promise of you too can be fabulously wealthy, just like me, Elon Musk, then you, you don't even need to regulate that system because you've generated enough people, enough like proles who will uphold the system for you. You have, like, serfs with swords who will kill other serfs who want to, like, overthrow your fiefdom. Yeah. Because they're like, no, we have a a very unique cultural myth in America that I think doesn't exist in any other country. Is we've effectively told our serfs that they can become the landowners. Yep. We've sold them on the most tremendous scheme in the world, and it's baked so so thoroughly into their brain stems that they and their descendants for generations will believe we must defend the rights of the wealthiest with our lives because we too can be wealthy. That is American capitalism in a nutshell. Whereas if you look at any other country, the true answer is anyone who is a billion, billion, billionaire has taken advantage of excess labor to a degree that their continued existence without any kind of like punitive remuneration of their money back to society should in itself be a crime. Yes. All like the, it's no secret unless like all you do is day trade, like all wealthy people made their wealth on the backs of hundreds and thousands and millions of lesser paid workers and even then even if you day trade you're still doing that you're just taking advantage of people who did that downstream upstream and like the 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 funniest thing is that no millionaires were millionaires became millionaires without support from publicly funded things like everyone who has to ship things via truck benefits from publicly funded roads yeah and so ostensibly there should have some amount of payback in the form of actually paid taxes back to 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 like represent how much the government helped them make their billions like this stuff logically on paper makes tons of sense and yet the the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the middle class to defend the rights of the upper class. It, it doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, it makes sense from the standpoint of, like, everything that's true, everything that's quote-unquote true, and everything that ever will be true is just a mutually agreed-upon narrative. 
And that's just the one that we tended to settle on for some reason. Uh, and the one that's been beaten into us by ruling classes. But I mean, if you look at people like Jeff Bezos and you look at people like Elon Musk, the, the truly fascinating inflection point is that they have become as wealthy as they have taking advantage of tremendous public largesse. Yeah. Because we like to say that America is not a socialist country. It absolutely is. Uh, it, it has socialist tendencies. And these billionaires have benefited from the socialist tendencies of the American economy more than any individual citizen will. And then the, the inflection point that I'm referring to is that what they've done is they've started to like denigrate and usurp the public goods that allowed them to exist in the first place. Amazon's two-day shipping is, like, ruining the logistics and shipping industry. Yeah. Like, it's ruining the planet. Two-day shipping is extremely carbon expensive. Oh, no. Two-day shipping is... Free two-day shipping as such a strong incentivizer for consumerism and cross-country shipping is doing way more than buying a fucking SUV would do. Oh, shit. And then you look at people like Elon Musk who want to create a, a private boring company to create proprietary highways that just serve Teslas. Whereas if you look at a place like Boston, they bored tunnels under the city to build their highways to put parkland on top. And that was a public good. And it was for the best, and it was for everyone. Whereas we applaud fucking Elon Musk, and all he's doing is creating a means of transport that's only available to people who have purchased his product. He's monopolizing high-speed highways. He's fucking over the highways that have allowed him and his stupid fucking cars to exist. I want one of his stupid fucking cars, though, because it's electric and therefore... Good? No, I mean, fuck Elon Musk, but buy an electric car. Buy a Tesla, even. Like, but fuck Elon Musk. No, you can, you can buy a Tesla and fuck Elon Musk. Like, you, you can give him money for his car, but also oppose him and vote for legislation. Because individually- How do we separate art from artists? It's impossible. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you can buy a Tesla and still completely kneecap people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. You just have to be active and you have to vote and you have to demonstrate. That's it. Um, I've voted my entire, my entire nine years since I turned 18. Here's what you do. You rack up the victories. City of Austin, right? Oh, we had, we had some really good victories in this past election. What is it? Lake Travis. Yeah. So Lake Travis, there was uh, about 800 or so properties, I believe, mm -hmm. that border Lake Travis that since the 80s, either an injunction or a law was passed that made it so those properties would not pay property taxes. Now they do. And those properties, uh, it's lakefront property in one of the biggest, most like up-and-coming cities in America, those are multi-million dollar properties. Yeah. And the fact that we overturned that oversight and are forcing them to pay taxes, you can buy a Tesla, just make people with mansions pay taxes. Like, all we want to do, I'm not a centrist, like, I'm a, a, a super leftist, but we just want to bring things back to center. Make people who owe taxes pay taxes. It's not that hard of a sell. You can vote for that legislation pretty easily. Yeah, and I'm not a centrist. I'm an anti-capitalism anarchist, but I absolutely agree. If this is the system that we have to deal with, uh, absolutely make Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, all of these billion, billion dollar industries, companies, corporations, 
make them pay the fucking taxes that they, they, they owe, and then put all of that money into making other people's lives better. Don't put it into fucking defense spending. No, put it We've into- got the largest standing navy in the world. The next three to five countries combined can't compare to our goddamn navy. We don't need a navy. I mean, fund public housing, fund cancellation of public school of of school. Fund health care. Fund health care. Fund pub, university but schools. The thing is, fund teachers. Fund goddamn firefighters for all I care. I, I want to make this clear to everyone who's listening to the podcast. And uh, I think you've been you've been told in the past that you should not use me as money guy. That's fair. Uh, Wait, but, I always use you as my money guy. But whenever people come to me with the conundrum of like, I how do I not pay tax? I'm like, you should. You should pay more than you probably do. You absolutely told me that. I asked you, because when I filed my taxes for the 2018 year, I asked you, should I pay my taxes, or should I open up an IRA to avoid taxes? And your advice to me was, paying taxes is a civic duty. You should absolutely pay taxes. And my response was, LOL, good joke, I'm opening an IRA. <laughs> yeah, and it's just because we've incentivized people to do it because you're buying into the American myth that that's not your responsibility to pay taxes. I pay taxes every time I buy a stick of gum from the local apothecary. Yeah, and you probably should pay twice what you pay. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Ta- taxes are fun. Good, like the, the taxes that actually fix stuff. A stick of gum is already $10, John. <laughs> But no, the the thing that's really interesting about this and the the way that I look at day-to-day political praxis for people who do want, if they do want it to be moved left, which I do and I believe you do and maybe our listeners do as well. No, I want the system to be destroyed. What I... Death to the Americans. What I propose is not a compromise, but I mean, it's not fully automated, like, space, gay space communism, which sounds fantastic. Hold on. I would really like Did that. Did you just say gay space communism? Oh, uh, yeah, fully automated uh, gay space communism. What does that mean? It's what I want the future to be. You want uh, us to all be gay space communists, you know? But, let's do it. But no, that's the future. Uh, but in the meantime, <laughs> I love that the future is that we're all we're all gay together in space, and we're all like, "Hello, comrade." In the future, that might be what it is, and I do look forward to that. But what it is in the meantime? The Did you mean to say gay space communists? It's a, it's a phrase. Look it up. Oh, okay. It's it's pre-existing. Uh, but the thing that I want to emphasize is, if you are listening to this, what you need to look into is just vote for things that make people pay taxes. And our taxes aren't going to be apportioned well. And everyone in the Facebook comments, everyone on Twitter is going to have their take about, oh, well, and vote from your city level, from your state level. They'll be like, ah, people in San Diego, they voted to build a new state. I'm like, yeah, people don't apportion taxes appropriately. But... It's part of a system that exists for a reason. You should vote for things that makes people pay taxes. Hopefully, you will eventually be voting for things that makes the biggest people pay taxes. Because those are the ones we should go after. We should normalize. People should pay their fucking taxes. And they should pay them at a higher rate. I saw this stupid fucking thing on Facebook that said if there's one homeless child, we do not have room for illegal immigrants. Which is ridiculous to me, because if you then turned to that same person and you said, you should pay more taxes to fund affordable housing so the homelessness crisis gets in, gets smaller or goes away, 
they'd be like, fuck no, I'm going to open an IRA or house my assets outside the United States of America. Like, I don't want to pay taxes. That's an option? If you have a lot of money. That's more expensive. I just want to say I I Googled. Which, by the way, if you want to shield your money from taxes, do a 401k, not an IRA. Max out your 401k. But don't do that. My 401k matching program at my job sucks, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah, but you don't get matched on IRA, and you can contribute up to $19,000 into a 401k on a pre-tax basis. You can lower your taxable income at $19,000. You're not getting matched on it, but you're not getting matched on IRA either. Okay, so, but I'm basically lowering my income into an IRA. Shut up. I, I googled gay space communist, and the first headline I have found... Fully automated luxury gay space communism. Has the time for universal basic income finally come? <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I didn't know that was a phrase. I it was a phrase that like some conservative asshole came up with. You know, people say that conservatives are assholes. People say that conservatives can't mean. But gay space <laughs> communism... Like, Gay Space Communist would be a great band name. It would be. I think that really got co-opted. One of my favorite things is uh, there's a Twitter user who said, the right is getting good at comedy, and it makes me scared. And I love that when people reply to conservatives being real bad at comedy with Epic. It's real good. There, There is a... Uh, also, we love all of our listeners, conservative or not. I don't know. There is a subreddit... IPAs make us very political. They do. There is a subreddit called The Right Can't Meme r slash the right can't meme and Uh it is filled with failed attempts for the right to do comedy and it's bad and you know it's not it's not worth featuring i just wanted to point it out the thing is the thing is with all of my arguments right left guy girl different races doesn't matter gay space people have equal opportunities to be assholes to be funny to be ill-informed to be wrong to be right we're all fucking human. Yeah. We all fucking suck. Yeah. We all fucking don't suck. It doesn't matter your personal persuasions. I hate when I see like, oh man, if you believe in the left, oh, they're really, it, it's an actual disease. People mm-hmm. who think like this. That's fucking genocidic talk. That's, that's, what's that word that I can't think of? That word where you eliminate certain people. Eugenics talk. That's like yeah. really messed up shit. No, it, That's the crime humanity can commit against itself. Having different opinions is not a crime. However, when you have the option to give people something they don't have because they are restricted in their, the things they can have, what you can give to somebody, like healthcare, the ability to not be bankrupt by having something out of the control happen to them, when you can give somebody the opportunity to have affordable housing to a point where they can then get on their feet and afford housing sometime in the future themselves, when you can give people any gift because the simple fact that we're all fucking human, you should do it. See, the the problem is that we... We name things, and I feel like the we've gotten too caught up in the names. We say the right, the left, the Democrats, the Republicans, the, the conservatives, the progressives, the liberals. Here's the problem. Uh, we are starting to increasingly realize, as some countries have uh, far too late, that the actual political discourse exists between fascists and humans. Yeah. And that is all the war we're fighting. There are 
We joked earlier about the 25 people in the the Democratic presidential hopeful list, but a lot of those people are fascists. And a lot of the people on the right are fascists. And it's not a left is good, right is fascists. It's there's a fascistic mindset... And a lot of people have it. It's lords versus serfs. It's it's megalom- megalomaniacal. It's mm-hmm. and, and we just have to realize that anything that we can do on an individual level, on a state, on a city, and on a national level to fight what we consider to be fascism, the better. Mm-hmm. Because there are plenty of fucking fascists on both sides, and that's all we have to fight against. They're the only bad ones. I think that's a good point to end on oh boy remember when we were 10 minutes short remember when we were 10 minutes short we are now 20 minutes over yay we talked about politics wah, 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 wah. i don't know how to end the news do 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 news we should play the uh, opening theme to how i met your mother because that comes on after the, fucking no it doesn't come on before i don't even remember what that sounds like sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name how about your mother how about your mother how about your mother people want to know that it's time for social media plugs the game and i edit this week that means i play the game it's interesting because i feel like we both weigh the same but you get drunker faster than i do the, so this social media should be fun cheers i don't know how to take that because you're like six foot one and i am five foot nine i've got a lot of blood and you say we weigh the same which means i am over this conversation we're both overweight and if you want to get overweight, all you have to do is sit on your ass and tweet at us at twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ, which of course stands for Han. If your BMI is over 30, you're fine. <laughs> and if you want to send us a longer defense of your BMI, please don't do that. You're perfect the way you are as long as you're happy, which no one is, so work on that. You can send us a Gmail, an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. You can send us a spleen, you can send us your mean, but please don't send us your peen. We don't like dick pics. We never have liked dick pics. We don't even like our own dick pics. I know one time we were looking at your Instagram story and we were trying to get out of the app when we saw the dick pics. So we were tapping back a lot, but it opened up the emoji thing and we sent the 100 emoji. So you thought we were saying your dick was 100. We didn't mean it and we don't know how to take it back. I think it's not a brave stance to take that no one in history has ever liked a (laughs) dick pick we are on facebook you can search for zero credits podcast on the facebook search bar and we post more on twitter and we also are on itunes and spotify and all the other podcasting goddamn things go to itunes leave us a review leave us a rating we're up to like 150 listens on spotify that's pretty awesome that's actually very cool look june huge for us june is our best month juge for no reason. We are doing juge. It's my birthday. Hey! Happy birthday, Also Kanye. my wives. 
All right, and we are also, hey, you go on the street, yell at people, yell at everyone, yell at everyone you see, yell at him, yell at her, yell at them, yell at their. Those weren't words. If you tell 500 people, that's 400 people who will listen, word of the mouth is the only way we can fight the battle against the fascist, so get your ashes out of your couch and onto that mouch. Mouch is another word for street. Get the fuck out there. Tell people about this goddamn motherfucking podcast. I want to be famous. And that's it. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits, rapidly converting into the kind of resistance-style bunker you would imagine in the book and the film, Dr. Zhivago, we would like to wish you a happy week. Except for you, Jeff. Comrade. Not Comrade Jeff. We gotta make fun of Jeff. It's in our contract. Yeah, we gotta make fun of you want to give me like two more Jeff things? A uh, shout out to that gin company. <laughs> shout out to that gin company, Jeff. What's the name of the gin company that Ryan Reynolds owns? Uh, Detective Pikachu. Bye. <laughs>